Welcome to Harmony Beats Balance. I'm Dana Mahina, and today's special episode is all dedicated to you, our listeners, your questions, your thoughts, any concerns you have for yourself that we might answer. And my dear, dear person of the century is Sonia. Hi, everyone. It's good to be back. It's good to be a century old. Wait, no, that didn't come out right. So because (laughs) you're with me for seven years, it probably feels like centuries. So the reason I'm dedicating this show to you, Sonia, which I didn't tell you I was going to do, is because we could work a lifetime together and still not get enough. At least that's how I feel. And now I've set you up so you can't say no to that. What do you say to that? I'm very touched. I didn't know you were dedicating this show to me. And uh, yeah, working with you, it has been the best century of my life. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what we're drinking this morning. Mine's coffee. What, what do you have in your cup? have water. At least it looks like water as it's clear. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm glad this show is not going to be FCC'd by any communication authority. So here we go. We're going to talk about your questions and things that are on your mind and in your heart. And Sonia has picked her favorites. I don't know what they are. Surprise me. Let's roll. All right. So just as a quick recap for anyone who's new here and doesn't quite know how these Dear Dana Mahina episodes work on our various social media channels. So Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn at Dana Mahina, you guys submit questions to us. We go through them once a week and pick our favorites. And then every other week we sit down and we talk through the ones that we feel are most relevant, the ones that we get the most, things of that nature. So With that, let's jump into the first question. My family has many expectations of me. Some I agree with and make sense. Others I completely disagree with, and I feel like they're just adding burdens to me without a good cause. How do I handle saying no to them without disappointing them? First of all, whose family does not cause them this stomach ache or heartache? I'm just here to say, I mean, let's face it. Family can be dysfunctional. And our job here on the show is to put the fun back in dysfunction. So let me try to be fun about this answer. (laughs) I feel you. I feel you, listener. Listeners, I'm certain that's a plural. We all feel this way at times with the burden of family. So saying no as a refresher, if you listen to other shows that I've had over the past couple of years, or you read my blog, or maybe you've started to work on some of my videos that are available to you, remember right now, at least they're free. So get in there on DanaMahina.com, download those videos. Saying no is about setting boundaries. And for some of us, and we're going to practice saying no in a minute, Sonia, this is one of my favorite workshop exercises to do especially with people that have a hard time saying no. And if you have a hard time setting boundaries in general, to me, what I find is it's almost the hardest with family, probably because we do care the most. We want them to love us. We want them to like us. We want them to support us. And, you know, a lot of us were sort of brought up with this mindset that blood is thicker than water. I'm here to tell you that's another myth just like work-life balance is a myth, so is blood is thicker than water. When you're saying no, the first thing before the actual word is the trade-off. So we're going to talk about how to make a trade-off with your family. So let's just say that there are these obligations where you're either having dinner together or you're going out to do something together, or perhaps, I don't know, let's just say if you're an auntie, you're watching someone else's child and it's all the time, whatever the feeling of obligation is, 
you need to ensure that you have a good trade-off to make before you say the no. So I'm going to go with the auntie watching the kid example. So let's just say that you are watching each other's children once a week to trade, to help each other out. And that's a very nice thing to do. It's very communal and it's historical. We've been helping each other with family and raising kids for you know thousands of years. So the way this works is you would actually say to the other person, in this case, if you're the auntie, maybe it's your sister, sister-in-law, brother, brother-in-law, both. You'd say to them, listen, this is going to have to shift. And let me explain to you what's going to happen. I'm going to give you plenty of notice. I need to take a week off next month. And it might be because of your sanity. It might be because you have too many obligations outside of the family situation or whatever your reason, tell the truth, be authentic. So you're going to give notice about a month from now, I'm going to need that week off. And here's why you give the why it's actually part of the way change management works. And it doesn't just work in business. It works in life. We call this the business of life, not life as a business. For those of you that are workaholics, you know who you are. I was too. So what happens is you're going to actually give that notice. You're going to give the why. And the part that most of us really never consider is what will happen if I don't trade that particular week off? And it may not just be a week. It may be a temporary situation indefinitely. You need to share the reason it's stressing you out so much. The reason it feels like dread, the reason it's an obligation is not because you don't love them or want to help. It's because of something else like I'm not sleeping at night the night before I know your kid's coming to my house because your kid's a nightmare. I'm kidding. That probably isn't true, although it might feel that way. You really want to give the reason, not in terms of them, in terms of yourself, because people have to first seek to understand before seeking to be understood. And that's how closeness and collaboration and community really grows with other people. And they can't understand you if you haven't fully explained yourself. They may not like it. They may not agree with it. And you do it anyway, because it's authentic and it's how you build trust. And believe me, with families, trust is not a given. Just because the blood may in your mind be thicker than water doesn't mean you're just born with trust and it lasts forever. People do stuff a lot of times unintentionally to each other. So that's the first part. Now we're going to practice the no part. Ready? I'm ready. Okay. We're going to say no three ways. It's like, how do you want your steak? You get three ways today, Sonia, to say no. Okay. All right. So I'm not going to give you anything other than the way I want you to say no. And I'm not going to practice it with you. And I'm not going to do it for you. You're just going to go with it. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. And ultimately, this will translate universally for those of you listening from abroad. So you're going to say the word no with a period after it. Ready, set, go. No. Okay. And now you're going to say the word no with a question mark after it. Ready, set, go. No. Excellent. And now you're going to say no with an exclamation point after it. Go. No. Outstanding. Now, which no, listeners? <laughs> she's, you should see her. She's like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> which no, listeners, did you believe? Because I got to tell you, the only one I actually believed was Sonia's last one. Her first no with a period, which is what all of us do, by the way. Sonia, you did that exactly right. I am well practiced. 
I will challenge you on that as soon as you don't say no to something that I know you need to. All right. So when you say no with a period, which is kind of our default for many of us, it sounds kind of laissez-faire. It's like, I don't know that I really believe your no. It's not very packed. It sounds kind of, eh. When you say no with a question mark, no, you are actually sounding as if you're not even sure yourself. You want to say no. (laughs) No one believes that no. And many of us that get stuck in the no question mark have insecurities. We have confidence issues, maybe not just situationally, but within ourselves. So that's where you really want to get yourself some coaching. And again, I got lots of free stuff, so try it out. The no with the exclamation is the real no. Well, the real no, please stand up. No. (laughs) And when you workshop this with lots and lots of people and they're all practicing this, the no becomes more and more solid, more strong, more believable. And most human beings that have a decent soul are not going to get pissed off at you for a decent, solid no when it's backed up with good rationale. So that's the answer to that particular Dear Dana Mahina question. Expanding on it, something while you were talking about, a question occurred to me. As somebody who is very close with her family and has had issues like setting boundaries in the past, what do you do when when you say no and you're like, I can't do this, here's why, and I'm not doing it. They say, well, but you said you would. Yeah, that's good. I love that. So first of all, they're right. Sorry, not sorry. They're right. And that is actually a tie-in to the last episode of Dear Dana Mahina. So go back and listen to it, ladies and gentlemen, because if you say yes to something you mean no to in the first place, you're already in trouble. And if you believe that blood is thicker than water, or I'm going to segue to that now, if you don't, I don't believe blood is thicker than water. I believe that friends can be family as much, if not in some cases, more than family. A lot of us have moved around the world for work or have been transplanted or um, are adopted or whatever the, the situation is that you're dealing with. And you will find that sometimes your friends, your community, other loved ones feel just as close, if not closer than your own blood, your own family. So stay open to that because you never know who might actually be in your ride or die club, in your tribe. So if you say yes, when you mean no, especially to your closest friends and family, that's on you. So don't do it in the first place. And in particular, if you do it a lot, then this whole answer to today's dear Dana Mahina is full of hot air because they won't believe you. Right. You should see Sonia's face. (laughs) (laughs) Practice that. No, 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 no. It is. It is true. I think I think that it's often it, when you're learning to say no and to hold your no, so essentially hold your boundaries that you set. I think for me, that was the phrase that made it the hardest. Like yeah. you, you were trying to draw your lines and basically go, but you said you do it. And then you feel like, and sorry, but you feel like an asshole for that insisting that you, you're not going to do it now. Yeah. And you kind of are being an asshole, not that you are an asshole. We avoid labels on this show you are acting as if, right? You are kind of an a-hole because you really needed to say no in the first place. So let's take one more minute on this question because you bring up such an excellent point and everyone struggles with this. I don't care who you are, where you're from, how you grew up. We all struggle with this. So the best way through 
because you can't just pretend it's not happening or just get to the finish line without having run the race. The best way through is to actually establish up front, especially to those you love the most and that love you the most, that it's really hard to say no. So here's what this sounds like. I want you to be one of your family members who will go unnamed and I will be dear Dana Mahina. You ready? I am ready. Okay. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to be you. Is that okay. have your permission? I'd rather be you, you. You have, you have my permission. You scare me. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to be you, uh, mom, dad, sister, brother, dog, whomever it is you're talking to aunt, uncle. Okay. So fill in the blank. It's okay. really hard for me to say, no, I'm working on it. I'd love you to give me a little bit of patience while I work on it. What would they say? Whomever they are. <laughs> uh, they probably say something around the lines of, okay, Sonetska, go do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you, especially that don't have uh, English as your first language, the translation doesn't always translate depending on the language or the culture. It doesn't have to be language. So depending on your language, depending on your culture, depending on your situation, I want you to adapt what we're talking about here and make it appropriate for you in the situation that is your family or your friend or your friends that you're practicing this with. Most people will give other people grace when it's asked for genuinely. You have to be genuine about it. You have to kind of expose yourself and say, I'm struggling saying no, and I'm over-functioning. I'm over-tasked. I'm burning out. Help me say no even to you. People might be surprised at first, especially if you have a long-running history of not saying no. Again, we have to own that because then people come to expect the yes, and the default is yes. And here's, here's today's challenge. Say no more than you say yes. So for the next week, I want you, my lovely listeners, to go out there and practice your no's. Ask for support. Do not ask for permission. Ask for support. And then practice saying no. And watch yourself. Hear yourself. Work with yourself. Try to say no more than you say yes. Just for the next week. If you get one more no than yes. DM us and we'll send you a prize. <laughs> okay. So then on to the next one. Dear Dana Mahina, I am afraid to go back into the office full time. My work insists that it's okay. It doesn't feel okay. Ooh, that one is really, really tough. And I'll tell you why. If you're an employer, if you are running your own company, if you are an executive leader in a small, medium, or large company, a startup, an established company, listen up. People are not ready to go back to work full time and give you their best self. Dun, 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 they're not ready. I don't know that you're ready either. You just probably aren't able to tell anyone, including yourself, that holy shit, I have some fear around this thing. So it's interesting. I pulled a, a quote from myself. It's very weird when you're reading your own stuff. Uh, this week, I was looking at some of the quotes that were out there on social that I had written over the years. And the one I pulled for this week to keep myself accountable is leadership is an action, 
not a position. And that's true of parenting also. Oh, by the way. So if you're a parent, it doesn't mean you were given a license, right? We're just parents if we're parents. So it's all about action. It's not about title or position. So no one is just born into these things and you have to work at it. So if you're really going to be a good leader, you need to actually understand people's fears and concerns, give them some grace and support and hold them accountable for performance. Now that's a weird thing to say, isn't it, Sonia? While I'm sounding all soft and caring and then I go right into accountability. Yeah, no, but it's true. So because it's true, let's talk about what you can do because people aren't ready. And again, when you look at yourself in the mirror at night, maybe you've brushed your teeth. Everyone brush your teeth at least twice a day. You want to look in the mirror at yourself and say, I did my best today. I was my best self. I gave it my all. My actions spoke louder than my words because people will follow what you do, not what you say. And that's true of parenting also. This is all the same, by the way. I don't care who you are, what your title is, where you came from, how old you are, what you know, dress or pant size you're wearing. I, I really don't give a shit about that, honestly, because it doesn't matter. We are still human beings. Underneath the skin, we're mostly water and space, by the way. So what I want you to do is get real with yourself and really for a couple of days, look at yourself in the mirror and say, was I my best self? Especially if you're responsible for others, especially as leaders of companies, people are afraid to go back full time. It's like you're squeezing the balloon and all that happens is it goes from one end of the party favor where the clown makes the balloons. Remember those, if anyone ever did that before pandemic and you had the clown at the party or you went to the circus and they make those cute balloon animals and they squeeze one side of it in the very beginning and it looks like a wiener dog and then they squeeze it. And on the other side, you're like, is that the head? Oh no, the head's over there. The head's over there. You just keep squeezing the balloon and no one knows what to do when nothing really has changed. And you flip this white light switch as if everyone's just going to come back full time to the office. It's going to be just like it used to be. Well, we don't want it to be just like it used to be. And if you are listening and you are a leader and you are responsible for other people and you didn't learn anything in the pandemic, don't DM me because I I don't know what to do for you, honestly. So let's learn from what this whole journey has been about. People work differently now. Most employers were worried about accountability and that people wouldn't perform. And the statistics are astounding. People overperformed during this pandemic. They worked as hard or harder than ever because they were worried about competition and not being able to keep their job. People were so concerned about visibility that they'd be over visible. We zoomed ourselves to death. Sonia, we're doing it right now. I know. <laughs> we don't even need video. This is radio. <laughs> And podcast, and here we are. I know, but it's second nature. Although I mean, I've been virtual for six, seven years now, so I didn't go through a massive change with with the pandemic. But it, I don't know. I'm a big proponent of virtual work. I I work better when I'm on my own schedule. I am much more productive when I can decide when I'm working without, you know, feeling like I have to go into the office and sit in front of a desk uh, from nine to five, just so that my boss can see my, you know, my ass planted in the chair. Well, I'm not your boss anymore. And no offense (laughs) taken for when I was because your generation, let's just say if you're in the first 10 years of working in a career, maybe 15, and you're listening, 
you are already more equipped to work virtually. Why? Because you grew up with social media. You were plugged in from birth, people. And so you are already better equipped to work virtually and not to have somebody over your shoulder. And in fact, you are more productive when you're not actually in an old context. So I really encourage leaders to not pull the trigger too hard to force everyone back because for some reason you believe it was better before. I'd actually like you to measure it. So my encouragement, my answer is talk to your boss listener about coming back in a hybrid way. Maybe it's three days a week and we'll see how it goes and we'll assess whether or not people are are healthy and staying healthy. And I don't just mean that you have a negative COVID test. I'm talking about mental health. I'm talking about emotional intelligence. If you have a genius level IQ and you have a terrible EQ, emotional intelligence, you're already in trouble as a leader. So for the employees and the ones concerned with these mandates, you need to do the same kind of no that we just practiced. These two go together. Now, it's hard to say no when you're worried about livelihood and keeping your job. I understand that. You can ask for flexibility. You can ask for an experimental period. And then the accountability is you better show up. So if the employer gives grace and says, okay, we'll try it, you better like actually perform and get it done. And the employer needs to hold you accountable for real. They can't just say, oh, because I felt like the two days a week you work from home, you were less productive. No, 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 no. It has to be for real. It has to be measured. So everybody needs to get on the same page that results count. And it can't simply be a feeling. It has to be fact. Absolutely. That's what I was, I have a lot of friends who, who are close to my age. So, you know, like, late twenties, early thirties. And just, I guess my biggest advice would be don't underestimate your value and how much companies actually want to keep you. Because most of my friends who fought for a like hybrid model got it. That's an excellent story. So listen to that, everyone. If you fought for it, you got it. The fighting for it, Sonia, let me check this before we listen to it the wrong way. Is the fighting for it like an overpowering or is it a justification of the why? Justification. I don't, I don't know anyone that bullied their way into a virtual or like a hybrid model. Uh, No, it's, it's always, at least in my friend group specifically, it, it was all justified of like, here's why, like I, I work well on a hybrid model. Here's why. There's the why. And we don't always slow down enough to share our why. And why for a lot of people sounds fluffy. And I am I am going to promise you, I don't make many promises. The why is everything. If you don't explain the why, no one's going to believe you. Not fully. They may give you what you want temporarily. I assure you it'll be temporary. And why have to go through it again? So do it right the first time. Go all in on explaining the why, why it's important that you have this flexibility and why you know it'll be as productive or more. And then guess what? Measure yourself, make it easier on your boss so they don't have to do as much heavy lifting. You want something different and you end up justifying it and getting it. You hold that sacred and you keep showing up and explaining why it's working and make sure it's something that can be measured so that no one has to feel their way through an action plan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So then for the last question for this Dear Dana Mahina episode, 
The question is, how do I stop working with a place I volunteer? I simply don't have time. You post all the time about priorities and trade-offs, but I don't see anything about how to quit. Whoa. Okay. Volunteerism. That's the community facet. Many people have reported on the quiz that we've been running over the years. It's not a temporary hiatus. It's coming back. So keep taking that quiz. Keep looking for it. When people report back on priorities of their life facets, just as a refresher, they are career, family, friendships, community, and your own well-being. Most people want to spend more time and or money giving to nonprofits or volunteering or being in the neighborhood or the church or you know the parents group or the animal welfare fund or humane society. They don't really have time. And especially during pandemic, they even if they wanted to go do something, it was so hard, obviously, to get out and be safe. So even the thought of you know writing a small check for some people, even if they can afford $25, feels empty to people. They really want to do more. So again, back to the first answer, don't say yes if you don't mean it. Make sure it's in your passion area so you all know what you love and what you don't like. So don't volunteer for something you aren't completely passionate about. And things change. Life happens. It's okay to practice that no with the exclamation point. Give them the why. And here's, here's the, the trick. Here's the little extra trick. Whenever humanly possible, trade off yourself for someone else. Not to shove it on their plates, but perhaps you can replace yourself. We are all replaceable. I hate to tell you, we're not all going to make it to a thousand years of age. We're not all going to live even a century necessarily, the way that Sonia and I feel like we already have. You're going to have to trade yourself off at some point for something at some time. This is a good place to try that and experiment with it. So see if you can find a friend or a loved one or someone who's interested in perhaps taking your place and volunteering. And if they are interested, and maybe it is a good fit for them, that's such an easy no, because you say, listen, this isn't going to work for me right now. I loved it. I no longer have time. However, here's someone who does. Voila. (laughs) Yep, there we go. So with that, we are at a wrap time. So as a reminder, Sonia, how do they find us? What do they do? What's the good word? (laughs) All right, guys, the good word is on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn at Dana Mahina. And you can check us out on our website as well, danamahina.com. Thank you for everything. Thank you for listening. Ahui ho until next time and aloha. May you have aloha spirit wrapped around you. Bye everyone.